listen to CJSW all day long, but now CJSW wants to listen to you. Go to cjsw.com survey to submit your feedback and be entered to win one of two Slat Island Discovery Passes. To hear this and other parts, look up CJSW 6 Degrees on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 6 Degrees aims to counter exclusion in this unsettled age and how we can connect, converse, and create with our fellow citizens. The theme for the 2019 event in Calgary, Alberta focused on the role of culture and the arts in building inclusive societies. Culture is a shared and shareable language. It holds countless ways to bridge divides, but how do we push further? What can we do better? How can inclusive culture be a tool for change? On this episode, part one of the second 360 session entitled, Where We Go. Host Rachel Giza is joined by the musician Shad, spokesperson for the Secretariat of Culture of Mexico, Antonio Martinez Velasquez, artist and designer Sage Paul, and Jenna Rogers, artistic director of Chromatic Theatre. So I want to start with um, with you, Shad, because there is something that came up when you were doing your pre-interview. Um, what you talked about in arts and culture, um, everyone has an agenda, whether it's the creators, the distributors. Um, and so uh, I want to ask, what is your agenda when it comes to art? Well, I would say, uh, firstly, it's uh, entertaining people. You know, I love holding people's attention um, with something that I've made and... Um, and then being moved by it or touched by it or just generally feel a little bit better and laugh at it or laugh at me, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think of entertainment not as a dirty word, but as a, a nice little calling, actually, to just make people feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I think about that first and foremost as my agenda. Um, and then if I look at my music, I think in terms of message, uh, it's probably hope. You know, I think it's my music ultimately comes down to how can I keep trying? Hmm. Uh, how can I get up every day and keep trying and, and hopefully encourage other people to, to do the same? But really, actually, it boils down to my journey of, of doing that. So I think my message is something... My music ventures into the political, but I think really it's about something more human, more fundamental, mm-hmm. spiritual, mm-hmm. moral. Um, yeah, those are, those are my concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, not boring people, firstly, and secondly... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, leaving them hopefully with uh, some sense of hope and inspiration. Mm-hmm. Sage? Um, I th- a lot of my work, I think, focuses around family and just being together. When you think about entertainment, I was like, oh, yeah, family. I, like, that's really, really important to me in the work that I do. I focus on, um, like, I just want balance. And through that, I like to focus on, like, sovereignty and resistance. Um, and they do work, like they do work together when we're looking at it through balance and specifically for family and um, especially working in the indigenous community, there's so much to think about when we talk about land and food and our bodies and the art that we're creating and how are we doing that together and how are we resisting systems that need to be resisted so that we could live in a more balanced space together. Um, when you guys were talking about that idea of like we, there is that, it's so important that we are together, but I think it's important also that we are distinct and we honor that of each other too. So balance is so, so important for me. Mm. Jenna? Uh, My agenda maybe is change. Uh, 
I think a lot of my practice is so deeply rooted in identity, and um, for me, my identity starts as a mixed race person. And as I think about my relationship with arts and artistic practice, I think about the sense of like, what are you called to do? And I am uniquely, I, f I feel like I'm uniquely positioned to um, interpret sometimes between the mainstream or what we might consider mainstream and between the cultural or other or marginalized or um, badass sector. <laughs> um, that, that a lot of what I think about is, is rooted um, I'm really working on rejecting this notion of like being half of anything and rather of thinking my, of myself as both, mm. um, both cultural identities, both identities as a whole being. And I think that that metaphor extends to my art practice, that we spend a lot of time siloing and labeling different kinds of practice, different parts of our sector. And the change that really interests me is how we can be all. Mm. Yeah. Antonio. I think it's a little strange to talk about my agenda when when I work for the government, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't have an agenda in, in my work. I used to have a lot of uh, agendas. I I came from the activism field and organizations, the grassroots organizations in Mexico. And, and, and my agendas there were the freedom of expression and digital rights and, and independent media in Mexico and, and building these new ways of, of, of democracy. Now, Mexico has changed a lot with the last election and, and now well the, the the agenda for the for the institution of the cultural policies in Mexico it is to recognize the diversity of the country and the diversity of the nations of indigenous people in the country the diversity in the in the crafts and arts um, because from the state um, it is easy to only recognize one way to be Mexican, to, to do the culture in Mexico, or how, how it looks like. It only looks like Frida Kahlo. But no, from the state, you, if you recognize the diversity, you're empowering a lot of views and, and, and putting in the center of the agenda the, those marginalized people in, 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 in other states. So, so that's our agenda. And my agenda is not important anymore. <laughs> That's what you tell your bosses. Yes, anyway. I'm very disciplined. <laughs> Um, well, you know, in, in the 360 this morning, the focus was on um, the arts as a place for connection and belonging. And the focus of our conversation is, in, in this 360 is, um, is arts for social change. And um, Jenna mentioned that, you know, change is, is, is one of the centerpieces of her agenda. I'm wondering if any of the other three of you, um, um, you know, the do you see change as part of, as, as, part, as, as being important in, in your work? Yeah. Well, like I said, really, like resistance for me, I just, I love the idea because basically everything can become resistance. And like, a, a, you know, it could be diplomatic, it could be peaceful, it could be really radical, it could be anything. And like when I think about like 
food. Um, we can just be gardening, and that is like it really that uh, uh, disturbs like that system that we live within the capitalism of grocery stores and where we are supposed to shop and what we're supposed to eat and um, like sustaining to like a healthier way of living. So like when like that kind of idea of change is like really like being aware of like. What, what needs to be resisted? And how are we gonna do that? What is the action that we're gonna take to make sure that we get what we need? If something's not working for us, mm -hmm. we have to change. Yeah. We have to. <laughs> I wanna hop on her answer yeah, yeah. and steal it. <laughs> sure, yeah, I mean, yeah. at least you're I honest think, yeah, about it. Yeah, I think resistance <laughs> is exactly right. You know, right. I think that um, when I think about what I do, um, I love just the fact of telling stories and getting together. I play mainly in, in small clubs, you know, just getting together in these sweaty, dirty rooms and, and being really loud and pushing each other around and doing whatever we do. You know, I come from a tradition of hip hop and, you know, same era as punk music. It's like, it is essentially resistance. It's resisting, um, well, it, it's kind of, um, kind of staking a claim and saying, this is who I am. and. Uh, I need to carve out this little space where I can be me and we can be us. And um, so, yeah, resistance was my answer too. Before yeah. she even said it, I just <laughs> you thought of it first. Yeah, I thought of it first. <laughs> but we could all. Do it. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you know, and and I, when I think about you know what you answered uh, to the question of your agenda, Shad, when you talk about entertaining and and hope and delivering hope, I mean both of those things are are um, like in conversation with with the audience. So have you felt that you've been able to do that? Like when you um, w like let's start with hope, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, what 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 do you hear back when you are in conversation with your audience? Yeah, it's so exciting to hear back from people that you know my music has touched them in some way, given them sort of uh, inspiration to keep going through whatever difficulty they're going through, or even just feel affirmed in who they are. You know, we're talking about um, identity and new cultural identities that are being expressed through music. My family came here in the mid-80s. It's like early African immigration. So we're hearing new stories in hip-hop of African-Canadian identity, you know, which is, which is cool. It's beautiful to be a part of. But it's, it's also awesome hearing from people who are very different from me and, and we get to connect through music. They hear my story and they hear something universal. They hear something that they relate to. Um, and at the same time, hear a new experience that maybe they weren't acquainted with. Mm -hmm. So um, all of that is hopeful to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I want to uh, throw this out to the audience now, actually. Is there anybody who wants to share an experience of either their own artistic agenda or else um, having, you know, seen change, uh, having activated change in some kind of way, or having been changed by an experience of art or culture? Anyone want to jump in? Hello, my name is Marilyn. Um, in the last year and a half, I've been exploring identity. And um, I have to say from an Indigenous point of view, the uh, discovery of uh, the, the um, lineage from one's ancestors and from the connection to the land has probably widened and uh, um, opened my own identity. It's a very expansive experience, and um, how I want to be in the future is going to be um, deeply impacted from that exploration. And so I would think that if we were um, 
all to explore our own identity and where we've come from and what has shaped us, that there could be um, more possibility for that new identity to be relevant for the future. That's been my experience. Thank you. Anyone else? Hi, uh, my name is Kevin Jasuino. Um, a few people in the audience would have been alongside with me when I did this, just hugging this thing. Um, <laughs> uh, well, there was a, a, an agenda I have, and that's near and dear to my heart, is LGBT youth specifically. That you know, first ingraining the importance of arts in in youth uh, at, before they can afford a ticket to, and are pay, working to, to buy a ticket to go, come see or experience art. Um, but also to, to create space, I think, in, in educational institutions for um, LGBT youth and the wide variety that falls under the umbrella of queer um, in, in our schools. And a number of, so that's the agenda. Uh, but but the, the, the change that I experienced, a number of years, about four or five years ago, and some people in the audience were there with me, the past administration of, of government that we had in this province um, <laughs> was, uh, was talking about, about banning gay straight alliances in schools. And so uh, myself, under the, the uh, great organization of Antics Community Arts, uh, here in Calgary, worked with uh, Great Forest Lawn High School, and we we developed this this video project with the youth, where the, uh, the students from the Gay Straight Alliance um, wrote a script, and then they invited public, like you know, we had religious leaders and community leaders and activists and artists, and then we invited them to come in and read this script that the kids had written, and then film it, and. We, I, all I was thinking was, okay, these kids have written a script, we've made the video, the video will go out and there'll be impact and there'll be, you know, there'll be change. They'll, the voice, their voice will be heard. But what was fascinating was in the two days of filming, the, the people that came in and predominantly all allies, predominantly mostly allies, were coming in and reading this script but then having conversations with the kids afterwards in front of the camera and being asked, like, why do you think GSAs are important in schools? And the relation, the change that you, I saw in the, the youth film crew that we had, uh, that they were doing all the sound and video and everything, the change just from those conversations, that interaction, I think was more than what the, vi I mean, well, you can challenge that, but like the, the, the kids had an, an immediate impact from, from that, those conversations with adult, mentors and allies. Um, not only that, but then the video went out and I think it was like 6,000 views in one weekend. And I, in my, I um, touted as sort of the only voice of the youth in that whole debate. Hmm. Um, so, you know, there, there was both societal change and there was immediate change in these kids. Um, you know, so that's the agenda and impact I've seen. Thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Patty. Um, uh, I, it's actually interesting that Kevin talked about allies because I, I think it was Adrian Stimson who is a really highly regarded artist who is Indigenous. And he talks a lot about, um, as an Indigenous man, he goes, I don't need allies, I need accomplices. 
and, <laughs> and it made me think about our work at Calgary Arts Development and, and how I define partnership in a variety of ways. And one is your acquaintances. You kind of know what each other does, and that's great, and I'm going to support you, and you're going to support me. Then there are partners who fitty-fitty, so you put in half, and I'll put in half, and we'll each figure out how we each get our equal share. And then there are co-conspirators. And this is how you change a system. You look for the co-conspirators. And so I'm reading the language here on this session, and it says culture is a shared and shareable language. It can turn connection and community and into empathy, understanding, and genuine belonging. And I think that's true. And it made me think about people like Kevin, who are part of a, uh, an effort we have about exploring the role of artists as change makers in Calgary. And we've partnered with Mount Royal University and the Trico Changemaker Studio. And the hypothesis we put forward was, in this current day and age of social change, of social innovation, of creating good, how can we put artists that, into that conversation at the beginning? You know, so many times in change maker movements these days, artists come in at the end, when you need the song, when you need the poster, <laughs> when you need the image. And I'm kind of going, and some of those images are pretty amazing. Like, you know, everyone has seen the Obama poster with hope, change. That was an artist who had nothing to do with the Obama campaign, who was inspired by Obama, and he went to them and said, hey, I have this image. Maybe you want to use it. And the guy goes on to be who he was. What if that artist had been at the beginning of the conversations with the Obama team? What if he'd been able to be a part of that? And so I put that out to those of you who maybe don't work with artists regularly, who maybe kind of go, oh, I don't know where, you know, that artists are a tool as opposed to an integral part of who we are, right? If, if we actually believe in this room, that culture is a pathway to inclusion, then that means you've actually got the people there along the road, not at the end. They're not the destination. So um, I, I think that's something that's really being sparked by those of you in this conversation today. And, and you know, maybe as a placeholder, I can say, in the what next section of the day-to-day, -day, I need to talk to JD first if she's here. because And my team who's sitting here in front of me is going to be freaking out because it's like, I have an idea. And whenever I have an idea, they worry. <laughs> but I need to talk to JD. So tell, come find me at the break, JD, because I've got to talk about this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, Antonio, given that you're someone who has temporarily parked your own personal <laughs> activist agenda um, to work for the government of Mexico. Um, can you talk more about the role that uh, the government is playing in art for social change? Yes, of course. <clears throat> First of all, we, I, I, I want to share that the, that the president himself, it is, it is the first time in so many years that a social leader go to the presidency. So what I want to say with social leader, he's been organizing people around agendas, especially about a social um, inequality agenda since, I don't know, before I was born. You know, it, it is a very social, so, social leader. And the slogan of the government is, for the good of, for the good of all, first the poor. So it, that is a direction of what to do in public policy. And when, when we design public policy, uh, 
um, in the most abstract sense, we are choosing between disadvantages. Because you, you do in a position of power. So whatever you do is a disadvantage for someone. So you're, you're choosing between disadvantages. And we choose to, to promote the culture in, in communities, to do intervention in 1,700 municipalities that are the most violent in Mexico. We decided to uh, look to the violence in Mexico to the eyes and go to, to the land and with the people to do something. It maybe it's a it, it, it can it can be read as a desperate cry for help because Mexico it's a massive grave with with 36,000 of people missed with 200,000 people killed by narco wars with you know the 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 the, the communities are totally devastated. So we decided to change the, um, the, the way we look for, for, for this. Before us, the public policy of culture, it was centered on the big events and the big things about Mexican culture that are so great. You know, Teotihuacan and the Mayans, and the Mayans in San Francisco, and Frida Kahlo again in Albert and Victoria <laughs> in London. You know, that kind of big uh, uh, cultural statements about what defines Mexico. But, but, that, but that kind of public policy for culture is one-sided. It doesn't recognize the diversity, doesn't recognize what, what, what the people is, is doing. And, and, but it's imposing what kind of culture looks like from the government. So we decided to go to, to this, these communities and, and, to, and to recognize their diversity and to start a cultural project, each one different, 1,700 cultural projects different, recognizing what the communities are, know what they don't have. Because the uh, other way to do these public policies of culture is, oh, that community, that poor community in Puebla, uh, we, we, we will bring them ballet. Why? Because maybe that community is, is, is very skilled in music or in craftsman thing or in whatever. So uh, we are recognizing first what the communities are and, and, and what, what are their traditions and what are their this before imposing some kind of cultural project. So it is very ambitious. We are putting all, almost all the budget uh, in that. You know, the big events still uh, uh, going to occur, but, but we are betting mm -hmm. in, in, in the public policy to do this. And obviously the, the disadvantages is for the, for the cultural elite that are <laughs> totally mad about <laughs> what they're, they're destroying the culture in Mexico. But we are not. We are recognizing all the diversity. We are putting uh, so much effort on indigenous communities. Our constitution recognizes Mexico as a pluricultural state based on indigenous communities. And we need to 
to, to really comply with the Constitution. All, all is, is that. It, it is 68 languages in Mexico. It is not a Spanish. Four million people speak Nahuatl. You know, and, and when in Mexico it, you say bilingual thing, it, they, they thought about English and not Nahuatl, you know? And we are pushing forward to, to really recognize what our constitution said, mm -hmm. not less, not more. So that, that is what we are doing mm -hmm. right now. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Jenna, Sage, and Shad, as artists and culture makers in Canada, this question of, of you know, government policy to create social change, I mean, what do you make of that? Do you think that change should be um, part of public policy, or, or art for social change should be grassroots up and communities, communities and artists up? I don't, Jump think, in. I don't think it's a case of either <laughs> or. I, know. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a case of either or. I don't think it can be. I, I think that we all have to be in this together and we all have to acknowledge the ways in which we are complicit with certain systems that advantage us. And we all have to acknowledge that like we also live in, uh, because of, <laughs> because I don't know, North America is governed by capitalism. We also live in a world where there is a cultural elite or where arts and culture can be associated with a certain degree of wealth. Um, and dismantling that system isn't going to be easy because money is power in most of this context. And um, this is like a hard thread for me to hold uh, in my hands right now. <laughs> um, we, it's a natural human response to not like when we stand to have something to lose. And that's a hard thing to admit. It is hard to admit the ways in which we are complicit. It takes like some real deep self-examination um, and, and criticism <laughs> of yourself to start to see the ways in which y you can make systemic change. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot, um, the government, of course, has maybe more capacity and more power to make larger sweeping changes. And of course, there's going to be the, the reason they don't make large sweeping changes, because that's going to be met with backlash, as in the withdrawal of money. Um, and I don't know how to take down that system, and I don't think anyone kn knows how. So I start to think about little strategies. But all I can, all that keeps going through my head is that that's exactly what we were talking about this morning. That those are workarounds. That's that's about opening the door a little wider. It's not about breaking down the wall. Mm -hmm. um, and to really think about breaking down the wall is hard, and it's something that will require uh, the attention of everyone and the dedication of everyone and the willingness to engage in challenging, difficult conversations, um, and the willingness to be humble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you want to Yeah. Um, I, f I feel like as an artist, you know, what I know how to do is, like, take words that sound the same and put them close together and recite <laughs> them. Like, I don't know anything about systems of power or how to, like, make large-scale change. You know, I think my job is to maybe inspire change, mm -hmm. but I think that there's um, people that are, you know, specifically tasked with making change. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's their, I mean, literally their job. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by CJSW and Six Degrees. 
You just heard part one of the second 360 session entitled Where We Go. It featured host Rachel Giza, Shad, Antonio Martinez Velasquez, Sage Paul, and Jenna Rogers. To find previous segments as well as future segments in the Limited Run podcast series, look up CJSW Six Degrees on Spotify, iTunes, and your favorite podcasting service. 